Welcome to Making Fit Work. I'm your host, Nina McGough, certified personal trainer and nutrition coach and busy mom of two. I'm committed to helping you get real results by sharing best practices and life hacks to staying consistent. I also regularly interview other busy professionals who have mastered the ability to juggle it all while staying the course with their health and fitness. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Making Fit Work. I am your host, Nina McGough, and today I have a very special guest, Dr. Emily Kybird. We are going to be talking about healthy and fit with Hashimoto's. Thank you so much, Dr. Emily, for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. I'm really excited about this topic. Dr. Emily Kybird is a chiropractor and movement expert who helps women struggling with thyroid issues lose weight, beat fatigue, and feel strong and confident in their bodies. She herself has Hashimoto's, but with addressing lifestyle changes and shifting how she works out, she has now put her Hashimoto's into remission. That's amazing. Now she helps other women do the same in her program, Thyroid Strong, which we are going to be talking a lot about today. Again, I am super excited to have you here today, specifically um, a little even personal reasons, right? I have hypothyroidism. Mm. And have been diagnosed, oh God, after shortly after my son was born 10 years ago and have been tested several times for Hashimoto's. So I'm excited to learn more from you. Isn't that how it goes for the mamas? Because I yes. was diagnosed after having my first kiddo. Yeah. And what's funny is I remember the doctor at the time saying, well, have you been like really tired? And I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what all new moms are told, that we're tired? I have a one-year-old. Of course I'm tired. Right. But talk to me, Emily, about – because I know you are a chiropractor as well. How did you get to creating this specific program? Talk to me about your personal journey with Hashimoto's. I would just love to hear your experience. Yeah. So I've been a chiropractor for 15 years, graduated school 2007, moved from Oregon to New York and started a practice. And I was just adjusting at first, doing chiropractic adjustments. And as with most practices, you evolve. So you start to bring in tools that will, you know, just like trainers bring in different tools to just help more people get better. And in 2016, I had my firstborn, uh, Elvis. He's six and a half now. And afterwards... I had all the new mom symptoms that I thought were just my new norm. You know, all my girlfriends were like, yeah, you're exhausted. You just had a baby. Of course you have joint pain. You just pushed out a baby. Of course your hair is falling out in clumps. That's what happens when you have a baby. And so, yeah. And, you know, also the baby weight, just difficult to lose, you know, especially as being an active person my entire life. So, Typically, women will have some form of postpartum thyroiditis, some sort of inflammation of the thyroid for at least 12 months postpartum. But I was having these symptoms 18 months. I'm like, Ah. this is it. He's a year and a half old. I am still feeling like I have to take an afternoon nap and crash. I was like, there is no way this is my new norm. Like, there's no way I'm going to go on living life like this. Yes. And I just started to explore, you know, reaching out to a GP who tested one test, TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone, saw a couple of different functional medicine doctors in New York and 
really, you know, was on different supplement protocols and really wasn't getting better. Uh, you know, I had some other symptoms of histamine intolerance. So every time I ate, my tongue hurt. Interesting. I, had I never hormonal. heard of that. Yeah. So there's certain foods that are high histamine. And when there's overload on the system, it starts to come up in your skin and other symptoms. I had hormonal eczema on my hands, which as a chiropractor treating patients all day and washing your hands between 20 patients a day is an issue. So I met my current functional medicine doctor, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, and she really took it to the next level. She's like, all right, we are going to run a bunch of blood work. We're going to run a food intolerance test and we're going to see what's up. And I feel so grateful that she did dive deep because she identified that I had Hashimoto's early. So for women who don't know, about 20% of women can go into remission. And we can talk about what that is, but 20% Mm -hmm. can go into remission, but it has to be caught early enough before there is too much destruction of the thyroid gland. So I was one of those 20% who I caught it early. You know, she said, I'm so glad we're catching it now because, uh, there's, you know, the possibility of you going to remission, which I did. And, you know, part of that was lifestyle changes, addressing environmental factors. But another factor that I think a lot of doctors don't talk about is changing how I was working out. Mm. So I was trying to really lose a baby weight, doing a lot of cardio, double soul cycle classes, a soul cycle class, oh, yeah. walk across the street, do a Barry's um, boot camp class. So like 45 minutes of cycling and 45 minutes of HIIT training. And I was really run down and still fatigued. And uh, I just started to shift how I was working out. I did have a basis of knowledge in kettlebells and Mm -hmm. a strong first hard style kettlebell style of lifting. And by doing less and dialing it back, I actually started to make more changes. So – was did that recommendation come from your doctor or was it just kind of like observation like I am doing all this high intense stuff I should be having energy and yet I feel worse like how did that come to for you I think it was a mix I think it was a little bit you know Dr. Gabrielle Lyon really believes in lifting heavy and you know doing hard things but for a short period of time um and it was a little bit of you know, I was waking up at 5.30 with a new baby and then like trying to go to a spin class at 6.30. So part right. of it was scheduling and part of it was trusting my own intuition that whatever I'm doing is not working because I yes. was feeling terrible every day. So it was a little bit of that trifecta, which, you know, not every woman has that kind of knowledge to be like, oh, I shouldn't be doing like chronic cardio. Right. Um, because I think a lot of us think, that's what we're told to lose weight. Yeah. Yeah. So why is it that the chronic cardio puts more stress on our body? Like, can you explain that a little bit as far as like how it affects the thyroid? Because I think so many times we think like burn more, right? Like burn more, eat less, lose the weight. But we forget that when we have – if someone has something like Hashimoto's or other autoimmune, that those things are affected. So – I'll break this down into two parts. Why not to do the chronic cardio with Hashimoto's? The first piece is around muscle. So when we do cardio all the time, 
like like if you're marathon training, it actually breaks down our muscle tissue. It doesn't build mm-hmm. it up like resistance training. And with Hashimoto's, that hypothyroid component, that underactive thyroid component, it's harder for us to keep to maintain our muscle mass, to keep our meat on the bone. It's just harder. Yeah. And so I'm yeah. really feeling that. Yeah. And so when we do only cardio, it's not helping maintain our muscle mass. And the muscle is the largest endocrine organ in the body, right? So most of us think, oh, this little butterfly-shaped gland in our neck. Our muscle is the largest endocrine organ in the body. When you pick up something heavy, there is a secretion of proteins, uh, myokines, cytokines. There's, there's many, many. And mm-hmm. when those are secreted, they help regulate hormones. They help regulate the inflammatory process in the body. And, you know, the, the world research leaders on this are like Dr. Donald Lehman. Um, and, you know, so I don't do the research. I just read the research. And so yeah, right. not a lot of people talk about that, that like if you flex the muscle and under load, you could literally potentially start to shift the inflammatory process in your body and you're, you know, regulating your hormones. So that is why chronic cardio is not good from a muscle perspective. We want to build it up, not break it down. Right. The second perspective is around the adrenal glands, which are very closely tied to the thyroid gland. And so, you know, ideally, um, for example, in the morning, our cortisol should be high. Our cortisol is like our motivating hormone, right? Gets mm-hmm. us going. Mm-hmm. But when we're doing chronic cardio, it can really burn us out. And so sometimes there's this dysregulation of our cortisol where instead of it being high in the morning, we wake up and it's low and then we and then it surges when we're supposed to go to bed. So it can create that dysregulation. And so I think, you know, A, replace some of the cardio with resistance training, lifting yes. heavy. And B, make sure you're recovering properly. You know, we all like to like hit it hard and then burn out and then we're injured and then we wonder why we're um, feeling terrible. Yeah. So does that tie into the whole why is it harder to recover for people, women specifically with Hashimoto's? Yeah. So the going back to this idea of the underactive thyroid, Mm -hmm. thyroid hormone is required for every metabolic process in the body. Our digestion, that's why when we have hypothyroidism, our digestion is a little slower. Sometimes we're constipated. That's sometimes why our skin is dry and our hair is brittle. That also carries over to the muscle tissue. Mm-hmm. So when we are in a hype, like hypothyroid, um, there is a continuous turnover of our tissue, specifically right. in the tendons, so where the muscle inserts onto the bone, there is slower tendon turnover with an underactive thyroid, right? So there's just wow. less regenerating, slower replenishing. So that's why when we um, work out, we need to take the time to recover because there's slower regeneration, which means it takes us longer to recover. Um, and that's why taking time off is so important. Yeah, and that's un- so funny. Yeah, it's and unfortunately, not funny, I-, I wish we could just like take something and, you know, make it um, – <laughs> Right. Regenerate faster, which I'm sure there's some peptides out there that you could. But in general, you know, I have women who, when they first come 
to me and Thyroid Strong say, I'm scared to get on the floor because my knees hurt, right? Right at that infrapatellar tendon, right where the Mm -hmm. crosses the knee. And uh, I don't want to get on the floor and play with my kids. I'm nervous and I fear it because I'm not sure if I can get back up. And it really hurts when I do. Right. Yeah. What are some of the most common symptoms women with Hashimoto's have that make it hard for them to get the results that they're looking for? Yeah. So most common symptoms are difficulty losing weight. Again, going to that lower thyroid hormone function, fatigue. And I'm not just talking like, oh, I'm a little tired. This is like crushing, debilitating fatigue. Sometimes can't get out of bed for three days. Right. Um, Brain fog, you know, so especially also why working out resistance training is so important is it really helps clear that brain fog. Joint pain and muscle aches is really common. And then, you know, like the the hair falling out, like some of the aesthetic right. stuff, like the hair falling out, right, losing right. the outer third of your eyebrow, really intolerant to cold. Like I oh used to wear God, a scarf around my neck, like, and it would be 80 degrees out. And my husband would be like, why are you wearing a scarf? I was like, I don't know. I just feel like I need to, yes. I'm cold. That's me. Like, listen, last year at my annual appointment, I remember specifically saying to my doctor, I am extremely cold. It actually doesn't feel like I'm physically cold. It feels like my insides are cold. Yeah. Like you're like cold I from the be- inside out. Yes. Like, yeah. I, and you know, I feel like my husband thinks I'm being silly. Like, oh, you're always so cold. But I'm like, legit, I'm wearing layers and I still feel like my insides are cold. Yeah. And I think that's a hard part too, because you express these things that are symptoms of mm-hmm. hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's, but- Sometimes the people around you don't get it. Yeah. You know? And, and so it can and feel actually, really isolating. My, doctor, my doctor's response to me, which I realize, yes, like especially even talking to you now, I need a new doctor. But his response literally was just layer up. And yeah. I'm like, I'm, I am layering up. I mean, it, you could ask my clients, my in-person clients. In the winter, I'm wearing like long socks. I'm wearing like three layers. I am cold to the core. Yeah. Which also makes it hard, that motivational aspect, right? Like when you feel like you're actually freezing, it is so hard to want to get up and do something that's going to make you sweaty. 100%. I know. Yeah. 100%. And I talk to, I try to reframe the mindset aspect sometimes. Instead of trying to get motivated, I talk about, you know, motiv- um, momentum over motivation, like just oh, doing the I little things every day versus like trying to, cause we're already fatigued. So like trying to find motivation is like trying to get water from a well, from a dry well. Right. So I really try to talk about, you know, keep the momentum, momentum over motivation from a mindset perspective. And then I also teach my women that we do the hard things and that's okay. And we do it in small doses to build resilience. Cause I think especially with an autoimmune condition, it feels very debilitating and we can kind of go into a poor me victim mindset. Like Mm -hmm. no one gets me. My doctor told me to just like layer up, but I still feel all these things. And Mm -hmm. I, I think, I think sometimes like, like I was, I was there, I was in that dark place and I think really just kind of think, okay, like how am I, how do I change, you know, what I'm eating in small doses, how I'm working out in small doses, like little by little every day. 
do you talk in your thyroid strong program? And I know you're currently doing a webinar series about nutrition and how it plays a part in kind of helping people with these symptoms of Hashimoto's. I do. Um, you know, my expertise is in rehab and strength training. Mm-hmm. I have a bunch of functional medicine doctor friends who do talk about nutrition. So I bring them on and we awesome. do an open Q and a, so we usually have a session around, you know, how to eat to lose weight with Hashimoto's, which is really focused on hitting your protein, your optimal protein targets per meal, mm-hmm. a to feed the muscle, right? right? To have muscle protein synthesis, hitting minimum 30 grams per meal. Uh, why to prioritize animal protein over plant protein, right? Because the amount of protein that is absorbed from a meat-based is different than a plant-based source. Wow, interesting. Yeah. Um, so for example, like if you looked at a package of pea protein and it said 20 grams, you're actually not absorbing in your gut 20 grams. You're probably absorbing only about 60% of that. Um, but you will absorb yeah, more protein from an animal source. You know, we talk about how animal source protein, specifically red meat, has the branch chain amino acids necessary for muscle recovery, for your metabolism, um, for muscle growth, specifically leucine. So we talk about that because I think, you know, a lot of women in thyroid strong are in places in the world and in the country where there isn't a good provider. They have to drive like three hours just to their GP, you know? So I try to give them the tools to start to educate themselves, to ask better questions. I also bring on um, a friend to talk about autoimmune paleo protocol and AIP diet, which is a nice way to cut out the foods that are inflammatory. Not forever, right? So like gluten, dairy, casein, there's a whole bunch of different vegetables uh, like tomatoes, red peppers, black pepper, but you eliminate them for a period of time and then you introduce them back one by one and you see what creates a response. So if I eat gluten, I have a headache within like 20 minutes. Oh, wow. So that's another thing we talk about in the program around food. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's really helpful because I know there's so many people out there when they're doing their research, it's like, eat keto, eat paleo, eat plant-based is better for everything. Like, ah, information overload. And and I think it's important that people get a little introspective and think about specifically what are the things they are dealing with rather than overall diet parameters. Yeah. I mean, I have a very strong opinion about the plant-based movement. I can share or I could not share it. Absolutely. Yeah. Share your opinion. I think it's a disservice yeah. to the world. I understand its source, um, but I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. For example, um, you know, encouraging the elderly population to only eat plant-based for longevity. It's just not true. Those people need their muscle mass more than anyone else so that if they fall and break their hip, the only thing helping them recover quickly and not, you know, (laughs) pass away is the amount of muscle that they have on their bone. Yeah. Um, And, you know, in private practice, in my practice, a clinical observation is a lot of the plant-based women that I've treated 
have a hard time getting pregnant, right? And there is a link of hypothyroidism to infertility. So Mm -hmm. I think, I think, I think it's a disservice to like really push the plant base. The other thing too, is like a lot of our food that is grown is grown in soil that is depleted. It's, you know, we're saying, oh, spinach has these vitamins and minerals, but like, does it, you know, because it came from soil that was depleted. So, and it wasn't picked and then like put in your mouth, it was picked, processed, washed, packaged. It's already respirated. It's probably lost the majority of its nutritional value within probably 24 hours. So I like to prioritize protein. It's satiating, you know, especially for the women who, with Hashimoto's that are focusing on weight loss it is almost impossible to overeat protein. Yeah, say that again for the people in the back, Dr. Emily. I can't tell you how many times when I increase a client's protein or try to get them to prioritize just adding protein to every meal, I'll always get someone, especially if I'm doing group coaching, that says, but wait a minute, I heard that you can eat too much protein. I heard that like, isn't it like, at what point is it bad to have too much protein? Ah. Right. I mean, you could say, yeah, go ahead, try to overeat. You'll probably throw up, but it's near impossible to overeat protein. And so for those of us, and I used to be this woman who I kind of like grazed throughout my, I would kind of like eat, eat a little bit. And it was mainly eating carbs. Um, if I sit down, I eat my protein first, and then I eat vegetables, which vegetables, you know, are considered carbs. Mm-hmm. Um, I stay. I don't feel like I have to graze and kind of like put little things in my mouth all day. I like mm-hmm. sit, have my three meals, and I'm good. So it's satiating. It's hard to overeat. It helps with muscle protein synthesis. I I tell all my women in thyroid strong like prioritize protein. Start your day with protein, and Going back to cortisol, glucose and cortisol have an inverse relationship. Yeah, I see that. You got that message? Yeah. Yeah. Great. So glucose and cortisol have an inverse relationship. So when glucose is high, it -hmm. drives down cortisol. So if you think about, okay, how does that relate to in the morning? If yeah, break that the, down for us. Yeah, so if you eat the traditional, sad, standard American diet mm-hmm. of cereal, bagels, pancakes, waffles, very carby things, you're literally driving down your cortisol when it should be highest in the morning. So if you're eating yes. a bagel, you're literally telling your body, drive down my motivating hormone, <laughs> which is now creating this dysregulation. So I tell my women, like, start your day with protein, prioritize protein. If you're having trouble sleeping at night, you can have your carb then, you know? Yes. So I think um, it's so important, you know, for the muscle tissue, A, protein, B, pick up something heavy. Yeah. So that's, let's get dialed into the Thyroid Strong program because this is a strength-based program specifically for women dealing with Hashimoto's, what is the difference between thyroid strong workouts and regular standard strength training workouts that someone could find on Instagram or TikTok or YouTube? Yeah. So the programs are designed in mind, knowing that a lot of women who do kind of a regular rep 
set scheme mm-hmm. feel like crushed for three days, right? Because it's harder right. to recover and we're easier to fatigue. Right. So, you know, I, I've had trainers. Sometimes I've been programmed like three sets of 10, three sets of 15. You know, some of the research out there says, oh, to have muscle hypertrophy, you have to hit between like eight to 12 reps. Right. Right. Well, the newer research out there says it doesn't matter how many reps. You just have to get to this perceived exertion of like a seven or eight out of 10. 10 being there's no way I'm going to pick up this weight. It's impossible. Right. So a seven or eight by like the last couple reps. Mm -hmm. So I like to do lifting heavier, lower reps, and then long rest breaks. And then a lot Uh of the women that come to the program have been doing group classes, you know, so usually you don't get a break (laughs) until it's over. You're going from one thing to the other. Yeah. Right. Um, Or all they do is walk. Mm. And so picking up a weight is very new to them. So, you know, you could qualify that as deconditioned. Mm -hmm. So, yep. We really start with, we start with uh, two 12 kilo kettlebells, which is about 50 pound deadlift. So for those who have never picked up weights, that might sound like a lot for you and I who've trained for a while. We're like, that's pretty light, but a lot of women come to it from a deconditioned place. And so you have to teach them how to breathe, how to brace. You know, a lot of women are thinking, oh, when I pick up this weight, I will activate my core by pulling my belly to my spine, right? Which is the exact Mm -hmm. opposite of what you want to do. So you have to teach them how to like find that brace and the good form, like how picking up uh, two kettlebells in a hinge style, a a deadlift Mm -hmm. is not just standing up with them. It's foot dialing. It's building tension from the feet all the way up the legs. It's the glute squeeze at the top. It's getting stacked at the top. So teaching all that cueing while, you know, creating that confidence like, oh, I can't do the hard things. I right. can't pick up something heavy. Right. How long are the workouts in your program? Because I know we talked about that like exertion level as well as like overdoing it, right? Where's that like happy medium time frame for you and your program? Yeah. So there's kind of like the ultimate beginner program and then there's an the intermediate The ultimate beginner is 15 minutes. It starts with body weight for two weeks and then starts to integrate weights. The more intermediate, um, and those workouts are about 15 to 20 minutes. The more intermediate. Totally doable. Totally doable. Um, And for a lot of women, they're kind of like, that's it. You know, but just remember (laughs) like, hey, you have Hashimoto's. It takes longer to recover. You're predisposed to fatigue, so it's okay. Um, but then they start to appreciate once they pick up a weight, they're like, oh, I'm so glad I took the time to learn the form properly before loading it. And then in the intermediate program, it is, uh, 25 to 30 minutes. Right. And it's usually for the women who've already have a base of strength. They've picked up a weight before, maybe they did CrossFit, but now need to dial it back. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so 20, uh, probably 25 to 30 minutes. So with these workouts, Are they strength-based and strength-based only? I know that some people just feel like they need to be super sweaty to feel like they got a good workout in, right? So how do you balance that and manage those expectations for people? Are they getting super sweaty? Are there, you know, different components or is it just strength-based and kind of learning that 
focusing on the strength, they will get the results, even if it's even if they're not sweating for 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is strength-based. It's three times a week. I do encourage them to at least get a walk in, like 10,000 steps in a day. Mm-hmm. It really depends on where they're coming from, like what their starting point is. But yep. it's interesting. I think that I think the women that come to the program aren't craving the sweat. They're fearing injuring themselves or overdoing it. So uh, yep. do they sweat? Yes. By like the end of the intermediate program, we're doing drills on how to swing a kettlebell, right? And then doing it for single reps and then working up to multiple reps. So there is that element of breaking a sweat, a ballistic movement. Right. Um, but for the majority of women that are coming in, it's, it's, they're, they're fearful. Yeah. 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 Do you find that the majority of women are coming in, um, not only fearful, but do you ever have someone who is like, well, I don't want to build too much muscle mass. Yeah. They're like, I'm going to bulk up. I'm like, honey, (laughs) A, we don't have enough testosterone too. Right. B, we it's already hard to bulk up as a, for a normal person, let alone with an underactive thyroid. Right. And then the last piece is I kind of get real. I go, listen, if we are imagining bulk, let's get like very real. Is it actually muscle or is it adipose tissue mm. on top of the muscle? Right? right. And so there's a balance, right? Because to physically bulk, you have to increase your calories. To lose weight, you have to decrease your calories. And most women, when they come, are like, well, I want to gain muscle, but I want to lose weight. <laughs> and right. it's interesting. There is one time in life where that is possible that you can do both. And that is when you are deconditioned and undertrained. Right? Someone like you and me who've been right. training for a while, for years, it's actually harder to put on muscle. But the women coming in who haven't picked up a weight, this is like the perfect time if the desire is I want to start to increase my muscle mass, but I want some fat to come off, I want my pants to fit better, you got it. It's like the one time in life where this like weight loss and muscle gain can happen. Yeah, that's amazing. Dr. Emily, where can people find you? How can they learn more about Thyroid Strong? How can they get in touch if they have any more questions? Uh, Dr. Emily Kybert across all platforms. <laughs> Okay, and awesome. My website, so that's Instagram, yeah. Facebook, all that stuff. All the things, yeah. Drop your email. I'm going to put all this stuff in the show notes, but just in case someone's listening and wants to reach out to you right away, where is the best uh, place for them to email you at? Uh, hello at dremilykyber.com or they could DM me on Instagram. Awesome. I'm yeah. super excited for this program. I can't wait to hear how it goes. Share this, guys. If you are listening to this episode, whether you are someone who struggles with Hashimoto's or not, share this to your stories. Share this to your page. It's such important information. Women with underactive thyroids, autoimmune diseases, they don't need to be struggling through their weight loss and fitness journey. There are experts out there like Dr. Emily who can help them beat these symptoms and still get the results there you want. So share this to your page. Share this to your stories. Whether you think you know someone or not, your friends, family might know somebody who could use this information. Again, Dr. Emily, thank you so much for being on. Um, We'll be in touch soon, but I can't wait for this to air and share it with the world. Thanks so much. Right. Bye. All right, you guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Making Fit Work. 
If you did, it would mean so much to me if you took a minute to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. It really does make a difference and would be super helpful to me. Also, if you have any topic suggestions, if there's something in particular you'd love for me to address on this podcast, feel free to shoot me a message. I would absolutely love to hear from you. You can shoot me a DM on Facebook or Instagram and find me at fitwith underscore Nina. Again, you can find me at fitwith underscore Nina. Or you can join my private community on Facebook called Making Fit Work and drop your topic suggestions in there. Until next time, my friends, be strong, be healthy, be happy.